I think that people can be a company's biggest assets. They really are the ones that can deliver on those strategies. And it's like, how do you create environments where people feel empowered, where people like their jobs, where they want to show up every day and just like give it their all? Welcome to Kindred Spirits, the podcast that brings you unfiltered conversations about life, work, and everything in between. Join us as we share stories, spark connections, and celebrate the magic that happens when kindred spirits unite. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Kindred Spirits podcast, and please welcome our special guest today, Vanessa Kotler. Vanessa is the Vice President of People and Culture at Policy Me, and she was just named as one of Culture Amp's Top 25 Emerging Culture Creators for 2024. She is an advocate for flexible work environments, transparency, and ongoing feedback in the workplace. I wanted to bring her on here to pick her brain about building a strong company culture within a remote work environment. The episode is full of really good advice for entrepreneurs, managers, and HR professionals. Really anyone could benefit from what she's learned through building that culture at PolicyMe. So, hope you enjoy the episode. Let us know if you have any feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Maddie. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. So, I would love to start with your background. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what your early career journey was like? Sure. That sounds great. Um, I don't get to talk about where I grew up or the early journey as much anymore. So, I, I love that question. I actually was born in Argentina, and we moved to Canada with my family, with my mom and my stepdad when I was nine. So technically, Spanish is my first language. Funny enough, I'm actually in Argentina right now. I don't know if I told oh, you this ahead you of didn't. today. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I'm here working remotely, uh, which I love that I get to do that. I've spent the holidays with my family. I've been here for, for about a month now. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was born in Argentina. I went to Canada when I was nine and was actually in Winnipeg, Manitoba kind of in the center of Canada. Not everyone knows where it is. And <laughs> I ended up moving out to Toronto after I finished school and lived there for a number of years. Um, in terms of early career journey, uh, I always say I grew up at Deloitte, which is like a funny thing. And people ask me like, what do you mean you grew <laughs> up at Deloitte? And um, I think there's this thing about your first job. And I think if you're there for a few years, it kind of really shapes you professionally, just how you think, how you approach work. And I noticed that kind of depending where people grew up professionally in those first few years, it really dictates a lot of how you are later on. And sometimes people can change a lot for sure, but a lot of the times if that kind of works for you, there's methods that you adopt forever. So mm -hmm. yeah, when I, when I started out, I was a management consultant in the strategy space at Monitor Deloitte, which was the, the strategy group there at Deloitte. And I was based in, in Toronto, but doing a lot of work globally. I had mm -hmm. Uh, opportunities to go to Bermuda, Johannesburg, London. So really wow. very, very global projects as well. And spent quite a bit of time in New York. So definitely an interesting way to start career. Yeah. Wow. So you have a seriously global background. You yeah. lived in multiple different countries and worked and traveled all over. And now you're able to actually work remotely while you're in traveling in different places. That's such a huge benefit. Yeah, I, I do genuinely love it. So how did that then lead you to your current role on the leadership team at PolicyMeet? Yeah, there's quite a, a number of years in between, you know what I mean, of the, the whole kind of how you go from the first thing to where you are. At right. Time. So I think um, 
I'll tell you one of the things that I learned kind of earlier on that I think was a, a guidepost that kind of helped me foresee maybe a little bit of where I was going. Um, I started in strategy consulting because I thought, I don't know, I was so young coming fresh out of school and I thought, I want to really understand how businesses work. I think providing strategic guidance and support, understanding how executive teams think is just so interesting and important. And what I found, though, was the the thing that I was most interested in in, in the delivery of my work was like the, so who's now going to implement all these strategic recommendations? And hmm. what does it mean for the humans of a business? And there is a whole thing, which is human capital consulting. And for a number of years, I considered whether that's the space that I wanted to go into. Um, but I ended up co-founding an HR tech startup after Deloitte and moved more into like the HR tech world. And then after that, ended up doing a few different things huh, in the HR tech space um, and moving into, I, I guess, I'd call them like more traditional people roles within tech companies. So before mm-hmm. coming to PolicyMe, I was the director of people at, a, at another tech company. And then I joined the PolicyMe exec team almost two and a half years ago now. Uh, which it feels like yesterday, but wow. I mean, it's it's been a little while now. I remember like June, July of like 2021 when I was talking to them and making decisions. Um, and yeah, it's it's been great. I mean, I think for me, I've always been very interested in the innovation side of things, but from a people side of things, which is, you know, I think that people can be a company's biggest assets. They really are the ones that can deliver on those strategies. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you create environments where people feel empowered, where people like their jobs, where they want to show up every day and just like give it their all. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit of insight into how I got to where I am today. Yeah. Okay. And that's really what I want to dig into is your thought leadership and expertise around creating a culture and environment where employees thrive. And, you know, we've been connected for a little while before this interview, and I've been following you on LinkedIn and seeing quite a lot of the um, awesome posts that you share on there where you're able to, you're sharing a lot of amazing advice for businesses to be able to help them have employees actually stay at the company and thrive. So I want to dig into that a little bit. With where we're at now, you know, two years, three years post-pandemic, there's a lot of remote work still going on. And I'd love to know what challenges have you seen in building culture in that remote environment and how have you been able to overcome those? Yeah, it's interesting because I think there were the challenges of, to your point, you know, the pandemic remote. And now there's this like post-pandemic remote, which is like this steady state of just mm-hmm. how do you create cultures that work in this like new way of working. One of the things that I was talking to someone a while ago that I find super interesting is um. And, and this, it's actually interesting because we used to talk about in management consulting, it's the idea that if you build for the edge case, it'll likely work for everyone else in the middle. There hmm. was this example of like, you know, you're trying to build scissors, but what if like you're building scissors for someone that doesn't have a hand? How are they going to use it? You know what I mean? So if you go to the the more intense extreme of how do you build a product that then makes sense? And, and that's a pretty unique example. But I think when you think about um, building culture remotely, there's this thing of like, it's harder than it is in person. And I'm not going to lie, I think it is. You know, I think there's something to be said for, you know, when we think about challenges of being remote, there's the, you don't run into each other every day at the office. You know, you don't have the opportunity to have the casual moments or the conversations or where anyone has like that exciting news from the weekend. You want to come in and tell someone, maybe there's like not a natural, just like Mm -hmm. easy opportunity to do those things. And I think that from a social aspect, like that easy socialization of, 
hey, want to go grab lunch, want to go grab coffee is kind of gone. And I think there's this other element beyond the social connection just around trust. And I Mm -hmm. think it's a super real thing of just like managers, leaders, executive teams being like, what are people doing every day? You know what I mean? It's like, are people working? And it's a very real fear that I think especially founders and entrepreneurs have, which is, you know, you're you're building your company. You want people that are going to be committed. And when you can't ever see what they're doing, it's this feeling of like, well, are they doing the best thing for for the organization? Mm-hmm. So I think in, in my mind, there's like these bigger things of like social connection challenges of how do you build a place where people know each other? They're excited to show up every day when they don't really see each other much. And then how do you create an environment where people are actually trusted and deliver their best work when there isn't anyone around that's kind of helping them feel like that sense of pressure you know what i mean Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and not to say that you need that pressure to perform at your best but it is different if like your manager is just like sitting over there and they can see you yeah that that's interesting how you break it down that way with the social side and then the trust element it kind of makes me think back to beginning of covid when we were all remote for the very first time and it was like memes of people like attaching their keyboard to their fan like to keep the green dot online it's like stuff like that and definitely a fine balance between wanting to trust your colleagues or having trust with your manager but then um you know on one end of the spectrum micromanaging on the other end of the spectrum employees just doing absolutely nothing all day long and getting away with it (laughs) i don't know if you saw there were these like mice that like you could leave it and it would like move by itself every little while too which i thought was so funny people think of everything (laughs) yeah people think of everything so yeah since you have been dealing with this so well first as a question before my real question at policy me what is the policy around remote work is everyone allowed to be remote or is it hybrid yeah so um we have our employees are based in Canada and basically we're remote first, um, okay. which means, you know, kind of you can work from home, you can work from a coffee shop. Uh, what we really say is, you know, if you're going to be working anywhere else, it's important for you to look into, you know, what is required to work in that place to make sure that it's OK to actually be there and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But we, we are um, that like you choose where you work type of environment. Uh, we do have an office in downtown Toronto. And some people choose to go there regularly, right? Like mm-hmm. some people just prefer the office environment and that's totally okay too. Um, but what I say to everyone we hire is we have three mandatory days a year in office. Three uh, days, big three ask. Days. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's because we do get together as an entire company three days oh, um, nice. a year. And those really, I mean, we're kind of getting into some of the ways that we've been able to, to address the social side of things. So maybe I'll just dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, there. definitely. And, yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure we don't forget to to touch on more on that work side of things and the trust building because I think that's super mm-hmm. important too. But on the social side of things, what we've done is we essentially organized like a full calendar year of how are we going to connect. Oh, and nice. there's one thing that happens every month. So how we do it is we have three in-person events that are spread out throughout the year we fly everyone in because we have employees all across canada so not everyone lives in toronto or within the vicinity of the office and we do a whole connection-based day so that day is not focused on work it's really like fun lunch together fun activity in the afternoon we do a big dinner um, at a venue and it's just like our opportunity to like really engage with one another and we all really look forward to those we also on top of those three we do three company-wide virtual events every year so for example one of the pieces of feedback that we got as we were coming out of the pandemic was 
people don't like in-person holiday parties, right? Mm. They were like, we loved that we didn't have to figure out how to fit another holiday party in, given that we have all these family commitments, right. things going on. So employee feedback was of these three times that we get together during the year, we just make sure that there's like nothing in December. So we're like, for sure. So we Smart. do, yeah, we do this like really fun virtual holiday party, which we just did. We send employees like a fun gift box type thing to their home. Oh. And we do like a year in review and we did like an employee trivia game. So we do all sorts of things to like make these actually engaging and fun. And we only do three of these a year that are mm -hmm. virtual company wide. And then each team has a budget to do their own event every other month. So basically every month there's either a company wide event or a team specific event. And on the people side of things, on the people team, we support teams if they need help with those six that they're organizing. But mm -hmm. mostly they're self-sufficient. Like someone on a team will be like, we should all read a book together this month. And they use their budget and they all buy a book. Or they want to wow. do like a beer tasting at home. So they all get like beer delivered to their home. And on a Friday evening, they'll like do a fun session together. So also oh, fun. We yeah, like we really focus on curating those. And I always focus on like what's the best thing we can do at the best cost. I think it's just super important for these things to be budget conscious, especially mm -hmm. in, in the environment that we're in. And there's this other set of things that we do that kind of tie to that like social connection, but a little bit more into the work, mm -hmm. which we do a monthly town hall where our founders just do updates about the business strategy, finance. I do a couple updates on, you know, engagement survey and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. We do demos every other week. So showcasing work, it's for anyone in the company. It doesn't matter. Like you can be an intern and do a demo. It's just oh, like cool. to talk about your work so people know what you're doing. And then we do shout outs on Slack. So anytime that someone does something cool, like we all get to see it. And then the last one we started last year that went over really well is an employee spotlight. So I think one of the things that's really hard when you're not seeing each other every day is like some people are really going above and beyond and it can mm -hmm. just be really contained within their small team. Mm -hmm. So I talk to all the VPs and then their managers to figure out like who's doing a really awesome job and needs that like extra recognition for what they've been doing. So we also um, showcase those individuals at town hall. So maybe I'll pause there and then we can <laughs> chat a little bit more about like trust on the other side. Yeah, yeah. This is really, really cool to hear. And what strikes me is that it sounds like what you're doing at Policy Me, you put so much more effort into making these connection moments than the average company does. So even if there's a company that you you're working in office every single day, it's like you probably only end up talking to your same coworker friends, right? Or yeah. you never actually all get together as a team, um, even though you're seeing each other every day. Whereas with this remote culture because you've taken the actual time and you've decided that you want to make this connection happen, you actually put so much more thought into it than probably a company would if they weren't in this remote environment, which ultimately makes it better for everyone. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. And that's what I mean about like the edge cases, right? It's like mm -hmm. when you can reinvent it. I do think it's interesting because we used to do like a couple of years ago, a Monday morning connect and mm -hmm. people didn't like it. They were like, it's too much. They were like, okay, let's get rid of it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like, I think the, the interesting thing is like, not everything is going to work for every company and not everything is going to work forever. And it's just like iterating, trying different things and seeing what sticks. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to tell by like, do people show up? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like we did, we launched into Quebec um, this year and we did like a virtual wine and cheese. So we gave everyone a budget like to go buy Quebec cheese and nice. wines. And we brought in like a food expert from Quebec and 
talked us through it all, but so many people showed up oh, in our good. company. And it's just like, I think a good indicator of are the ideas and the, the different things. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can tell when people are engaged in stuff or if they're just showing up because they have to be there. They don't really want to be there. Or they would rather just be off of work, right? You can kind yeah, of tell. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I feel like maybe the trust building, actually yes. getting your work done side might be a little bit more difficult. So let's hear what you guys have implemented for that. Yeah, and I think those those items that I was getting at there with like the town halls, the demos, shout outs, mm-hmm. employee spotlights, those really help, especially the demos, because it's like an opportunity to showcase your work, right? So it's the saying that like if you've never done a demo it's kind of like what do you mean you've never done a demo right like it's like everyone kind of has something to show at some point yeah. so it's this really cool way of knowing we all get to see a little bit of what everyone is up to but I think it's just there's two things that come up for me and one of them in particular I'm running training for our entire company next year which is upward management and I think it's just for for trust in a remote environment you have to over communicate right mm-hmm. it's important for you to say to your manager hey these are the things that I'm working on are we aligned or is there anything else that should be prioritizing just to be open? And I think that the more that dialogue happens, the better people start working together. And, you know, we ha- I have two people on my team now and we, um, one of them because of the nature of her work being, you know, in people and culture and she sometimes helps a little bit of, on recruitment. So her and I work very closely together every day. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, these are the things that I'm going to be working on today. Is there anything that I'm missing or anything that like I should consider reprioritizing? And we just go through the exercise every morning. And it's kind of like a stand-up, but we do yeah. it async. And it works super well for us. And it's not this like, oh, Vanessa's going to monitor everything. It's a way for us to be aligned. And I think one of the things that's super important is for people to understand that in those moments, it's like, you need to find what works for you and your manager, but like it needs to work for both of you. Mm-hmm. And it needs to make the manager feel informed and the employee not feel micromanaged. And right. if you're not there yet, you have to continue iterating to see, okay, what is your practice that makes mm-hmm. you feel okay with those things? Because then managers need to kind of communicate up to their VPs or their leaders or whatever with their information on their direct reports as well. So I find mm-hmm. managing Upworks is super, super important and a skill that's super worth learning. And the other piece too, this is an interesting one that came up a lot this year, is sometimes um, I think in a remote environment, it can be easy to just send a Slack message. You know, we use mm-hmm. Slack internally. Some other companies use Teams. And to just say, hey, this X, Y, Z is happening or whatever that looks like. But one of the things that I've tried really, really hard to coach managers on is to remember that if we were in person, this would be a quick chat. So yeah, going to be a quick chat in person. It should be a quick chat remotely. And I am very big on phone calls. It's rare that I say we need video for this meeting unless we have an agenda that we're sharing and or we're like doing a bit more of a working session or a presentation. Mm-hmm. If we're just having a conversation, I'm all about, can I give you a quick call? Mm-hmm. And I've tried to get managers to kind of implement that with their teams too, to just send a Slack message and say, hey, do you have five minutes? I wanted to talk about X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And it makes a huge difference because you get more in that cadence of just talking. And especially for people that are more junior and maybe they don't talk to that many people during the day, it can be nice to have a couple like quick five minute chats here or there that more so resemble that environment where you'd be around other people. Yeah. So I think those are a couple ways that you know from a direct report perspective learning to upward manage Mm -hmm. if you're feeling micromanaged explore with your manager why what are they missing what do they need or if you're a manager and you don't feel informed what's going on there in that relationship and then that 
second piece of like, how are you actually communicating important information to each other? And how would you do it if you could be sitting next to each other? Would you send mm -hmm. a message mm -hmm. or would you actually talk? And I try to get people to really, really think about those moments. I really like that, especially the phone call thing. Um, I've had a lot of different work experiences. I've, I've worked at a lot of companies throughout my career and my current role that I've been at for the past two years, I'm in real estate and property management. And this company is a little bit old school. Like they don't use any type of um, like Slack or Teams or anything, but everyone calls each other. And when I first joined, I was just coming from a software like startup where it was all Slack and it was like, you never would just call somebody. Like that was a bit yeah. weird. It was like you had to put time in the calendar and then you would jump on a video. Yeah. And that's just the way it was. And then I started this job and um, I was trying to get the hang of like, okay, so how am I, how am I supposed to reach out to this person? Like, do I text them? To, and my boss was like, yeah, just call. Yeah, just give him a call whenever. And like that was foreign to me, but yeah. now I'm so used to it. And all day long, you'll just you just get random phone calls and that's absolutely fine. And if you can't answer, obviously you can't answer. You call them back. But it feels back. a little old yeah. school, but I kind of like it at the same time because um, you're right. A lot more stuff actually needs to be said and not just texted. And it's easier to get a sense of like, how do people feel about the change? Do they have any questions? Sometimes when you read something, you don't process it as well. So. I really try to get people to think about, like, what are the moments? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how many how many employees is Policy Me currently, roughly? We're, so I always say about, just because ebbs and flows, so we're always hiring, but we're about 65. 65. Okay, so still on the smaller side, mid-smaller mid side. I'm yeah. curious for smaller companies or even newer entrepreneurs who are just starting to grow their teams. Is there anything that you would recommend for somebody who's wanting to build that positive culture right from the ground up in a business? Yeah, I um, I love that you sent me this one in advance because I had some time to think about it. And I remember, um, I, I think I said to you at the beginning, I co-founded an HR tech startup and we mm -hmm. were tiny, right? Like that, those beginnings and we never made it to be a bigger company or anything. But when you're just starting out thinking about like, what do you want your company to look like? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I truly believe is like the founders are the ones that end up dictating what the culture at an organization is going to be. Employees take it and run with it, but the founders have to set that direction and guidance for what they want. And I think when there's this feeling of like the people and culture team is responsible for that, that is not the case. <laughs> the people and culture team is mm. responsible for making that vision come to life. Mm. We will work with you to make that real, but we yeah. need to know what you want. Because if not, what happens is like, I can build the culture that I want, but it may not be what the founder of the company wants. So I always say it's important as a founder to be clear on what do you want your company to look like. Mm -hmm. And um, this is going to sound a little bit cheesy, but I thought I would share it with you anyways, because it kind of works Please. for me. <laughs> so what I always say is like, imagine like you're in the first couple of months, you're just starting out your company. It seems like it has promise. You've done some testing. There's market validation happening you know there's some product market fit happening you're you're feeling like okay we might have something here you're like two co-founders maybe three you're gonna hire your first employee this thing is mm -hmm. like it's starting to take off right and you're like okay this could be a real thing and i think when you're in that moment what is super important is like close your eyes and think okay what do i want this to feel like if we're a hundred people and what I mean by that is like, what do you want the day-to-day -to, -day to look like? 
how do you want people to feel at work every day? What types of humans do you want to be surrounded by? And I think if you just start to think ahead of like, if we do get to that size, this is what I want the day-to-day to feel like. That can help you work backwards and think mm-hmm. about what are the things that matter to me? What values do I want to instill in my company? And how do I share those and communicate those in a way that then is going to lead to the actions that are aligned to those values? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's hard is when you don't think about those things at the beginning, it's uh, it's really hard to make decisions, not just for your people, but as a business, right? Some organizations are like very client first, right? So what that means is like if you're a product-based company and you're like actually selling a thing, if a customer complains, like they're always going to be right. You're always going to have to find a solution or like mm-hmm. you're going to give them the thing for free. Like what does that look like? What philosophy do you want in the day-to-day of the business? Because it's very different than a company that says, you know what, we believe our product is the best. We're a product-led company. So we actually don't think they're going to be right every single time. Mm -hmm. And we want to really understand those issues and like explore them further, right? So I think it's good to think about what does that future look like? How do you want your employees to behave in those situations and create those values early? You can tweak them for sure a little bit over time. But I have spoken with a few founders that it's like, I think if your company is like 30-ish people and you don't have values at all or people Mm. are a bit confused as to like what is our culture what is expected here what is good what is bad that's where it can have these weird like pockets so -hmm. there's like team specific culture but no company culture that's aligned and then where that becomes all problematic is it becomes a bit isolated because a manager or here hires this type of human a manager over here hires this type of human and when those humans go to work together they don't feel like they're a part of the same organization because Mm. those teams work so differently. So anyways, Mm. it may seem like a bit of extra work at the onset, but I think for any company that has at least two people, so like two founders, the two of them getting aligned on what they want early on is super, super important. Mm. I think that's great advice. Even more generally, like it's, it's great life philosophy of the idea of starting from the end and working backwards. And I think that could be applied to even so much more than just building culture. But yeah, that that sounds like an awesome strategy. And I'm sure a lot of people probably skip that step of choosing those values um, because that can seem a bit like, oh, we're not doing any actual work. We're, you know, choosing values. It can it can seem fluffy, maybe. But um, then, like you said, when you get to that stage where it's a little bit too late and the culture is already formed without you even meaning to, then you're probably going to lose so much time trying to make up for it. So I think that's awesome And then the worst part is you can find people in your company that are just not aligned, right? Mm. And then it's like those tough conversations of like, how do you realign people to how you want them to operate? Or did you just hire a bunch of the wrong people, which is an even harder discussion to be having as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this has been awesome. I feel like we've gotten a lot of really great points here about how to build a great company culture from the experts so thank you so much for sharing all that with us (laughs) i want to um, ask one more question and that is kind of related to our values as a podcast and so as you know we're called the kindred spirits podcast and we just love connecting with people and aligning we just have these conversations with people that we find to be on our same wavelength and learn from each other so one of our favorite quotes actually that inspired the name of the podcast says to discover a kindred spirit is to find your heart in the heart of a friend 
And so I wanted to ask you, Vanessa, how do you know when you've found a kindred spirit? Good question. Um, I think it, it's interesting because my mind immediately goes like friend versus work. You know what I mean? Like what mm -hmm. are the differences that I look for? But I think there's some similarities in, in both just around the, the way of being. I think like yeah. I'm personally a very open person. I like to be around people that are also open. I like to feel like it's an environment where, you know, I can share, the other person can share. And mm -hmm. that makes me feel like, okay, we're on that same wavelength. I yeah. think that for me, the, the biggest thing really is communication. And it's when I meet someone, do I think I can communicate well with them? Do I think they're communicating well with me? And well means, you know, does it feel like we're trusting each other? Does it mean mm -hmm. like we're, does it feel like we're sharing what we mean to, right? And I think it's like, finding those moments of what feels like that genuine connection through yeah. that communication. Um, yeah, I think is what does it for me. Yeah. Well, I haven't asked this question in a work environment as much. I haven't thought of it that way, but it just makes me think that when I'm working with people where I actually feel like I can truly be myself, like my whole real self yeah. at work, that is such a wonderful experience because there's a lot of roles that I've been in, I've had to, I felt like I've had to sort of mask myself, you know, be my, my work yeah. version, not my real version. And so when you do find those colleagues and those people that you can be yourself with at work, that's such a great feeling. Yeah. And I also think like on, on that point, I think I can be a bit of like a, I don't know how to phrase this, but more like a funny person in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like I laugh a lot. I find things funny. Like mm -hmm. I can be a little bit more I guess like lighthearted and yeah. I think for for me personally that's important too I think the there's some humans that can take things a bit too seriously mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong sometimes in my field in HR there's things that are very serious and those moments are not the moments that are lighthearted for me but mm -hmm. in in the day-to-day -day, I think there's just this like I think we have a kid inside all of us and I think yeah. the people that are okay with that and just embrace it uh, are those that I tend to find that connection with too yeah I'm sure that really comes out when going through the hiring process and going through the process of describing your what the company culture is and you kind of attract those sort of like-minded people that are going to be the right fit for the culture. So kind of all is intertwined. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, um, last thing, where can people connect with you or follow you if they'd like to learn more? Yeah, I always say LinkedIn. It's where I am the most. I posted every day of 2023 that was wow i know it was my goal for the year i have two more days thursday and friday and nice. then it'll have been every day that i work i don't post when i'm on holidays i just you know i like yeah. it properly it's good vacation. but <laughs> uh, yeah so that's a that's a good place to find me i'm gonna try to do the same thing in 2024 uh so hopefully there will be some listeners that find a way to to connect there awesome well we will share your linkedin uh, link in the show notes so everyone can access you there but thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your knowledge this has been really fantastic awesome thank you for having me 